You are protected, in short, by your ability to love, the only protection that can possibly work against the lure of power like Voldemort's. In spite of all the temptation you've endured, all the suffering, you have remained pure of heart. Dumbledore. I am a multidimensional fractal of consciousness currently expressing as a human being in the most authentic way that we can imagine. Always remember to take what resonates and leave the rest. Welcome to Mental Magic. I am in the process of unmasking myself, releasing mask after mask that I have donned and placed over who I believe I am in order to be a palatable version of myself, in order to fit in, in order to find some form of pseudo-belonging in this reality. In the world that I was raised in, I was not only told who to be and how to be inside of my family unit, but I was also told by my school system, by my friends, by the media, by society at large, and then once I entered the professional world, told by professionals, told by adults who to be and how to be a human being that is acceptable, that is worthy, that is valuable in this collective. I learned very quickly that I needed to be a certain kind of way in order to get certain kinds of jobs, in order to fit inside of certain churches, in order to be accepted by certain groups of people, And once I realized that I was living my life as a programmed being rather than as who I believed I was, my goal from that moment forward was to relearn how to engage with not only myself, but with other people from an authentic place. So I believe that this seeking for authenticity began unconsciously in my childhood. And as I have journeyed through my life and befriended so many different types of interestingly radiant people who somehow have figured out the magic formula to being themselves and expressing as themselves. And so I have always loved befriending people who felt like they were being true to who they were and true to who they are. And I I can honestly say, just going quickly through my list of all of the people that I've ever considered good friends or close friends or best friends or whatever, every single one of them, there was something in them that I was inspired by and that I admired. And there was always something that I was seeking to learn from them. And I find that this is also so true of everyone who's currently in my life. I thoroughly enjoy having people in my life who make it easier for me to be human and for me to want to continue on with this human life. So in all of the guests that I bring to this podcast, including the beautiful guests that I have for you guys today, I have this desire of revealing to whoever is listening to this in the future that you can work really, really hard to be other people and the world will reward you in a way for playing along and fitting in. 
But there's also a way that you can play this game or live your life where you can allow yourself to just be yourself. And the universe in all of its mystery and quirkiness and beauty will reward that as well. And so today's guest is an anchor for me. She is one of my greatest teachers. She is the embodiment of someone who lives for life. She is one of the most alive human beings that I have ever met. And learning from her how she has endured incredible circumstances in her life and still remained so grateful and compassionate and curious about life. It's so fucking inspiring. And so I am so excited to be able to share with you my beautiful friend, my beautiful teacher. Please enjoy Delphina. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode and today's guest, she is one of my favorite people. She showed up at a time in my life where I desperately needed help from the universe and our meeting was just this magically divine timed experience back in, I think it was April of 2019 and at the time you know, as I've already mentioned before, I was fresh off a breakup and off of my survival of my suicide attempt. And I know I've spoken on the podcast before about certain energy workers that I worked with to help me in my healing journey and my healing process. And Delfina is definitely one of those people who was instrumental in helping me recover from a lot of the trauma that I not only experienced in that year, but through childhood. So Delphina, if you can go ahead and introduce yourself and then we can get into the conversation. Hi, I am Delphina, sometimes known as She the Mystic, and I help people heal their heart and awaken their soul. And just to what Chris has just said, it really was a divine, divine coming together because I had taken a really long break from working with people and from working on my work to the world. And she really like, she pulled me back in. And sometimes I was like kicking and screaming and, and saying no, but I am always grateful for that. I think it was very mutual and I'm always grateful for it. Yeah, it just felt like one of those moments that mm-hmm. there was no other way to explain it but divine. So the first question that I ask all of my guests is what does it feel like to be you? Yeah, I was thinking about this. Um <laughs> I don't, chaotic joy sometimes. And oftentimes it feels like being a visitor. I would say a lot of times I feel like uh, I'm a visitor, an observer, wherever I find myself. And I used to think that this was because, you know, I'm an immigrant and I'm never quite like American enough or un-American enough or whatever it is. But I, I've realized that it doesn't matter where. I'm always a visitor and an observer. So that's what I think the overarching theme. But also, I think that that has really transformed and continues to transform. And I think in this moment, it really feels, yeah, I'm just going to say it. Today, it feels like the divine incarnated into a weird earth life. That's what mm-hmm. it feels like today. And yesterday, it felt 
maybe the opposite of that and tomorrow who knows but today it really feels like a divine force that has that is playing in this weird virtual reality game that's what it feels like today yeah and i can definitely relate to that on so many days because i think after 2020 something shifted in a lot of our consciousness where it became really apparent that we're all living in our own different realities. And when we, and sometimes when I check in with like, you know, the collective reality and and all of the madness that's going on there, it really does seem like some just warped game or I don't even know how else to describe it. It just doesn't seem real. Oh yeah. It, and it feels to me, it's, it feels less and less real. The time thing is very, very weird. I was looking through, I was looking for something and I was looking through my stories archive today uh, on Instagram to try to find something. And I went back to August because I knew that it was in August of last year. And then I saw a post about my friend, a snake falling on my friend. And I was like, no, that happened like three months ago. That didn't happen in August of 2021. And I am still 100% sure that that was a couple of months ago. I know that didn't happen a year ago. And yet, according to the Instagram stories archive, that happened a year ago. Time is weird. This reality is weird. The ability to instantly manifest is weird. A lot of things are weird since that shift that we've experienced in, in 2020. So I, I agree. <laughs> and I know we're talking a lot about a lot about our consciousness and time being weird and shifting. And just to give a little bit of context, if people haven't heard you on maybe Jess's podcast or followed the work that you do, how did you get into energy work? And what does it look like for you right now to be doing this kind of work? Yeah, that's a great question. So first part of the question, the answer is I started with my own healing journey, as you know, I think a lot of us do. Well, as a child, I was quite a weirdo and I, you know, interpreted dreams for the grown-ups in my life and I saw beings and all of that, and I thought that that was a normal thing and that everybody did. And then the the older I became, you know, as, as I became a young teenager and started talking about it with my friends and the looks I got, I realized, oh, let's shut this down. But I started to have the remembrances and awakenings probably in 1999, 2000. And during that time, I was really focused on creating what I thought was the ideal earth life. You know, when you grow up a certain way you think like there are certain things that are that are a must for earth life for a successful earth life and I was really focused on that and I was living in a was doing all of the quote-unquote right things but living in a way that was not in alignment with my soul Mm. and probably somewhere around like 2005 2006 it kind of started to get very uncomfortable and I started becoming more and more sick. I had uh, opened a spot at a business that I sold and that gave me the opportunity to crash. <laughs> like my body crashed, my mind crashed. I was like mm-hmm. in a severe depression. I was physically ill, couldn't get out of bed, had no idea why. 
I was having anxiety attacks. The types, you know, when you when you first start having anxiety attacks and you're certain you're dying, mm-hmm. you're like, sure, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And you end up in the hospital, like in the emergency room. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. I know that I'm dying. And they're like, no, it's an anxiety attack. It's just an anxiety attack. You know, you just want to, you just want to slap everybody right. who says that to you. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that was kind of how it started. And I went on a self-healing journey first starting, started to learn about food and nutrition and then found uh, the books of Louise Hay. She was still alive then and she was like touring and, and putting new stuff out. So she was like an early mentor and then I started unraveling my life and questioning my choices. And that led me to dive even deeper into my healing journey. And there was a time when for a couple of years, all I was doing was taking workshops, working with healers, working with mentors and, and shamans. And it was like a full-time job. And somewhere around that time, my mentor who, who opened up, the quote-unquote gifts of, you know, energy healing and cosmic intuitive abilities. She kept saying, you're, you're going to be doing this. You have such a gift. And I kept saying, no, I'm a singer and, you know, I'm an actress and, you know, I, I do all of these things. I have no interest in doing any of this stuff. And then I started just doing a little bit here and there for friends and family members, which is a mistake and it's really hard. <laughs> And, and I, and I was really helping people. And so friends of friends were coming to me and somehow I just fell into it. And then I started doing one-on-one work with people professionally. And, you know, I remember the first, it's so silly, the first paying client I had, I met him at some kind of event and he was a friend of a friend and he was telling me about his issues. And I kind of took a leap and was like, well, you know, I could help you. And then he was like, you know, with your energy and like your confidence, you're either like a really, <laughs> I can't believe what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're either like a really high paid escort or some kind of like magical like sorceress. I was like, well, I guess we'll just find out. <laughs> find out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was like my, that was my first paying client. And after, you know, there's something that happens when there's that energy exchange of money. Mm-hmm. It get, and, and you're able to help that person and that person like pays you happily and is so grateful. It, it kind of shifts everything. And so after that shifted, I started working with people one-on-one and then started doing workshops out of my living room and then doing work online. And it's been, I would say probably over 10 years now, maybe 11 that I've been doing work with people and, and teaching and stuff. And the work that we did together, I know you mentioned when we first met, you weren't exactly doing one-on-one sessions, but eventually after I had started explaining to you, I think it was after I started explaining to you about one of the teachers that I was working with and you had mentioned to me that you also used to do one-on-one sessions where you help. The best way that I can describe working with you is that you helped me get in contact with a version of myself that I hadn't 
experienced in decades. Like since I, it's the version of me that was excited to be alive, excited to be a human, ready to see what adventures I would be going on in life. And the time when we were getting to know each other and then eventually started working together, I was in such a lost place and I couldn't figure out where do I go from here? I had completely demolished my life at that point and I didn't know who I was really or what I was here for. And the gift that you gave me as on top of all of the energy work that you did on me and the journeying sessions that we went on was this excitement for life. And so I wanted to ask you about that is how do you maintain your optimism, your light or hope for being human? Oh, well, first of all, thank you. I feel like I want to, I was like, oh my God, I wish I was like recording what you just said, because that's amazing. Because, you know, feedback like that is, it's really go straight to the heart. And I almost cried listening to that. Thank you so much. It, it's really a gift to hear that. And I think that that was one of the biggest changes that I experienced was the, the like getting to a place where I have that enthusiasm for life. Mm-hmm. And I think that it comes from the knowing that this is a very special place. And we ha- we say all kinds of things about earth and this earth realm and this dimension and this density. You know, some people call it a prison planet and some people say, or like earth is so ghetto and all of this, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But in, in truth, this is a special place. It's the coming together of matter and spirit. There are not a lot, from my understanding, there are not a lot of places like this in the universes. And I think that just from kind of flying out and seeing the multitudes of of souls who want to come here and experience being creators, you know, the gift of being an instant create, to be able to instantly create, Mm -hmm. whether that is creating your ideal life or taking, you know, Play-Doh and making something or drawing something, all of that is, it's a very special and rare thing. And I also think that I know that I'm here for a specific amount of time, as we all are. And when that time ends, that's it. So this is, every single day is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Every single experience is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Even the mundane, silly things, you're never going to be whatever, reincarnation, all of that exists. And yet you're never going to be in this body with this mind, with this experience, with these people ever again in this form. And there's something so sad and and joyful. And like, there's this kind of like exaltation that comes from knowing how temporary everything here is. And also, I think the fact that I can look back and see all of the things I've gone through all of the trials and tribulations and really, you know, shitty things. And I can look back and see how it was all part of this grand unfolding and part of this beautiful plan and part of this purpose that I'm living. And, you know, as you know, I have had gone through like a really difficult breakup and, I really tortured myself with that whole like twin flame thing, all, all of those mm-hmm. things that a lot of the, uh, the path that a lot of us have been on. And when I look back at how many people I've been able to connect with and help because of that experience, it's like, whoa, okay, very cool. 
very cool experience. It all makes sense. So I don't know. I think that's a very long-winded answer, but that's that's my answer. It's <laughs> <laughs> perfect. And so getting into some of this work, an area that I, I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but I am always so interested in bringing light to the shadow realms of our consciousness. And you were one of the first people who really taught me how to do journeys into kind of the shadow realms of yourself and bring your core light being self to those places and first how did you learn how to do that work and then how would you describe shadow work to someone who's never done it before or has only heard about it in really high level theoretical ways yeah I'm trying to think of how how I got to this because a lot of people ask me now about shadow work and you know when we were recording the the podcast the group podcast for just this weekend mm-hmm. I, every topic we talked about I kept bringing it back to shadow work and there was like you know five of us and each person kept bringing it back to their own thing and I was like no no you guys it's all shadow work <laughs> yeah. the answer is shadow work you know and I, and I don't know how I quite fell into this whole shadow work realm but as it seems like I was pulled back for a reason I think this the shadow work is pulling me for a reason I think I was really afraid of going into the shadow and I think that you know, maybe 20 years ago, I was really afraid of my own shadow as so much of us are. Mm-hmm. I used to, I had about five years ago, this workshop, this eight week program uh, that I'm thinking of bringing back because it really did have phenomenal results for people. But it was eight weeks and week two, it was the shadow week. And I swear it was like three people would show up. And then week three, like week one, like full week two, almost no one. And then week three, almost everybody comes back. Mm -hmm. And that was so interesting because I was like, oh, okay. So it's not just me. You know, I used to have nightmares. I used to be afraid of the dark. I used to be afraid of being alone in the dark, all of these things, which now I look back, I'm like, oh, this girl needed to do shadow work. (laughs) I think that my own experience with really going deep into the darkest recesses of my mind and and psyche and soul showed me the power that is in the shadow and our individual shadow is something that I think once we meet and come to terms with is life-changing and world-changing and there's this interplay with the shadow and fear and I think fear is such a driving force in our world Mm -hmm. and so much of this life is driven by fear whether it's like fear of not having enough money fear of being rejected fear of whatever it it could be is tied into the shadow and once I had like a, a year or two of like I colored my hair dark and I went to like some dark places but not in a quote unquote bad way Mm -hmm. and in a very like I went into places that I'd never gone before and I would hang out with people who were into like the darker things and it was just this plunge and what I realized there was that there is nothing outside of me the hell and the monster that is possible within me Mm -hmm. there is no match for it outside of me and every person is capable of the the most beautiful kindness and the most disgusting cruelty 
And I think that that the shadow is where we find that, reconcile that, work through that, and then reveal that. And I think also because we've had such a big emphasis on light work, we're light workers bringing, you know, we're bringing the light, we're staying in the light. There's such a disbalance in the individual and the collective. Right. And I think that's why there's such an emphasis on shadow work right now. I forgot what the question was. I'm sorry. <laughs> the part of the question that I wanted to get into was on the collective level, because I know we have our individual shadows that we have to work with, reconcile with, and then integrate into the wholeness of who we are. But also, I think part of the weirdness that's happening on our external plane is the revelation of a lot of our shadow collectively. How do we as individuals and then as communities reconcile with the shadow that has been projected out and now seems to be out of control, even though I know it's probably right on time? Yeah, it does feel out of control. And it, to me, it feels like it's going to continue to to become more and more chaotic because there's been so much hidden. And, you know, people talk about like the past few years as being, you know, things like, for instance, racism and being at an all-time high. And when I look at it, I'm like, you guys kidding? It's like the re- the revelation of the, the like discussing this that has been festering for so right. long. Right. I think that it's very necessary what's happening. And I think that it is Especially, I think it's happening a lot in America. You know, as you know, I've traveled a lot lately, mm-hmm. like in the past couple of months. And it's, it's definitely an American thing, which I mean, not, not only an American thing, it is definitely happening in other places. It is our collective. But I think that in this country, the, the reckoning kind of has come because when you build something on taken land right. and on, enslaved people it's just a matter of time where you're gonna like it's like a karmic balancing is going to be happening so I think it's we have entered into this plane of existence especially in the in the United States where all of us have to do our individual shadow work and all of us really have to be like kind and compassionate with each other Mm -hmm. because it feels like it's going to get crazier and it feels like the more people want to run away from the shadow, from their individual shadow and from our collective shadow, the more it's going to become in your face. And I think that it's like, you know, it's kind of a difficult conversation because people are super sensitive right now. And for good reason, absolutely. I understand that. But sometimes I look at the conversations, the way the conversations are going, and it makes me kind of like wince in pain because People are sw- continuing to sweep stuff under the rug, make new names for old rugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that's the problem that I see. And I think that the more we work on our individual shadow, the more we create space for our collective shadow to heal. I think that there's like the space that's needed when we can look at ourselves and be like, okay, why is this? Why is this experience happening to me? What is it revealing to me and where am I responsible? And I think radical responsibility is this thing that we don't love. I know it's love it. I don't love it. <laughs> but it's like mind-blowingly like really powerful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And one of those things that you did teach me is 
in doing the shadow work, most of the times you're going to, once you get through your fear and get through the dark part of whatever the shadow is projecting in front of you or inside of you, you usually find a younger version of yourself who has donned these dark masks or these these dark energies to protect you in some way, to help you survive in whatever environment that young child was living in. What would you say to someone who who had a lot of trauma in their childhood? And I honestly think most of us had a lot of trauma in our childhood, whether we acknowledge it or not. What would you say to someone who doesn't like to remember the horrible things that happened or doesn't want to go back there because they're afraid of what it might stir up in them? Yeah, this is a great one. This is a great question because I, I've been thinking about this one a lot. I have this video that's from last, like from a year ago on TikTok. Uh, and it's about, it's a shadow work video. And literally every single day people, the video is like going to your eight-year-old self Mm-hmm. And what, what do you remember? And literally every day I still have comments on that video of like, but what, what do you do if you don't remember? What do you do if you can't remember? What if you don't want to go there? You had so much trauma. And I, you know, I made a follow-up video for those people, but I, I think I need to do more around that because there is this hesitancy to go into the shadow that people have, or there's like this big block and, And what I would say to those people is don't think about going into the shadow. Just visualize yourself as a little child, whatever age feels right. Like, I don't know, right now feels like three years old. So if I think about myself at three years old, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember my life at three years old. But I do remember that she really needed protection. She Mm -hmm. really wanted to be held and embraced. And so if you can just visualize yourself at a certain age and hold and embrace them and then see if anything comes to mind, see if that little child says anything to you or shows you an image or if you get any feeling, you know, right now, as I talk about it and I tune into myself, I get this like sadness and a little bit of fear. And so if I was doing, a, if I was outside of myself and doing session for myself, I would follow that thread, and then might have to do this after after we finish because this is like opening up something for me. But I would follow that thread and see, you know, well, where is that fear coming from? Where is that need for protection coming from? Uh, you don't have to look at it as like, oh, I'm going into my shadow now. Just connect with that little you that is sitting there and I guarantee there is a, an inner child you that's waiting to connect with you unless you've done like a ton of inner child work then maybe not, but there is the, the little child you that would love to connect with you and will usually take you to the place where you need to look Mm -hmm. and that's safe. Right. And when you do come across this younger version of yourself, I know you took me through many sessions where we had, you know, one-on-one dialogue with these younger versions. How do you open up those dialogues? And I guess a better question there is for people who haven't started on this path or who are just waking up to the fact that there are many versions of them still living and active inside of them, 
How do you break through the ideas that I think society has programmed into us around how talking to ourselves is, you know, crazy or insane or whatever? How do you get through those mental blocks to allow you to really just sink into yourself and commune with who you have been? Mm. Yeah, I think, A, if you're hurting enough, you're going to be willing to be crazy. Right. Yeah. And I think that B, I think willing to be crazy is a really quote unquote crazy or, you know, just willing to go off the edge Mm -hmm. is a really powerful place to be because that is how we collapse those societal norms and expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the questions I forgot where I asked this, maybe inside the membership video in uh, the membership training. Like, what would it look like if you lost control? What would it look like if you completely lost control and didn't hold yourself in a, instill a quote unquote normal person concept? And like, if I ask myself that, and you know, I've done a lot of work, years and years and years of work, and I still find myself trying to play the normal person. Yeah. And I, and I really don't, I don't think I need to because there isn't, you know, my social circle or the people who I choose to have around me have probably seen the, seen enough of me and know enough of me to not be startled. But even if they, they are, it's okay. Sometimes people need to be startled. I think it's a good question to ask yourself. What would it look like if I lost control? What would it look like if I no longer played the normal person, what would it look like if I simply shook all of this stuff off? And I think that's a good entryway to start letting go of some of those shackles. Mm -hmm. It feels like shackles, right? Yeah. All of this stuff, like, oh, talking to yourself is crazy. Hearing these voices is crazy. Listening to the stuff is crazy. And it's such a genius plan to keep (laughs) us in line and keep us from questioning. And I think questioning and curiosity, ever-evolving curiosity, is it's a very important thing in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it was definitely one of those things early on when we started working together that I had a lot of hang-ups around because I also was that kid who was hearing things and seeing things and having all of these experiences with what would be considered paranormal or spiritual or whatever. And meeting someone like you, meeting other people in these resonant communities has really helped me unlock my ability to get comfortable with the version of myself that I locked away. But I haven't yet found a space or I guess the courage to publicly, you know, reveal myself as, you know, extremely woo-woo or whatever, like Jessa would call it coming out of the woo closet. I don't know that I've done that fully yet. And I guess part of my question is a personal question of just how do you get comfortable with the feedback that you get from external people who aren't in this world and who are going to have opinions about what you do, what you say? Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I think that you've come out a lot. <laughs> like <laughs> as someone who's witnessed your journey over the past several years, I uh, and you know I see the stuff that you post. It's really profound and powerful stuff, and it's definitely in the woo realms. And you know, I uh, when you were saying that, what came to mind was my cousin last year, um, like December thirty first. My one of my cousins uh, was getting married. And I saw some of my cousins who live in Washington who I haven't seen for like 10 years, more probably. And so one of my cousins, he came up to me and said, you know, I, I have to apologize to you because I used to think that you were completely bonkers. You were out of your mind. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be like praying for you because you you had clearly lost it. Some of the stuff that you would post, the things that you would say, I would just would shake my head all the time. And now I get it. So in the past, maybe like, I don't know, three, four, I I don't know how many years he has gone in his own like awakening journey. And I think it's, you know, different than what I'm doing, but he has started to uncover some of the truths or conspiracies or alternative, uh, alternative realities of uh, this world. Yeah. And he views it differently. And I've had several, I've had certain, like, throughout my life, several of these interactions where people who just looked at me as a weirdo, like somebody, like a cautionary tale, mm-hmm. who then years later would come and say, like, oh, my God, you know, you did this and you were this this black sheep in our family. And here you are, like, you know, because you did this, I, I'm able to. Like safer for me to to come out. So a I I like I quite like being the uh, trailblazer. Mm-hmm. My ego is like yes, I blazed the trail. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm half joking. I think if I'm being honest, it took it took me years to be okay with people's reactions, and now I understand just how much, how, how truly we are mirroring for each other, our stuff and how, you know, people, when they comment, whether they're strangers or whether they're people that we know in real life, it's simply a reflection of their journey. Mm-hmm. And they, I view it for the most part, them being in service to me to illuminate parts of me that I still have not become comfortable with because it's not really about them. It's about me not being comfortable with myself. And I sometimes still have that, like, I don't know, like a couple of months ago, I was having all of these thought forms come through and I really wanted to post, but then I was like, oh, but there's this like this person that like, if this person reads it, they're going to be like, whoa, she's such a weirdo. And then I caught that thought and I was like, whoa, really? (laughs) I'm thinking that? Wow. Okay. So another little pocket of me being uncomfortable with myself and of of who I am. And, and as you know, like coming out of multiple closets, right. Mm -hmm. I have the journey of coming out of multiple closets. It's always, there's always a danger that you will be rejected and you will be pushed out of the tribe. And I think it's such a primal, primal fear of being pushed out of the tribe, which at this like base level is, equals death. Mm-hmm. So I think 
it's important to be kind and compassionate with yourself because it's not just like you're not accepting yourself. Your, your primal brain is trying to protect you from being pushed out, rejected. It doesn't know that you can, you'll be okay no matter what, (laughs) you know, but I, I think ultimately it, for me, I always see it as another, another way I can accept myself another space, another opportunity for me to see where I've rejected the self and where I'm not quite comfortable with myself. And that journey continues. Like this weekend, I, you know, the weekend that I was in Nashville, Mm -hmm. like I witnessed myself like saying certain things. I'm like, oh, okay. I am not comfortable with this part of myself. So I need to work on this. It's like, I'm always working on it. Right. And when you're balancing kind of using the external world as the mirror that it is, as well as engaging with other people as the sentient beings that they are, how do you navigate honoring and respecting who everyone is individually, but still, I guess what I'm getting at is there is this narrative that spiritual work is selfish. When you're Mm -hmm. focusing so much on yourself, if you're using other people as mirrors, then you're not really engaging with the community. You're just using the community for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't believe that that's true because I know that we all have a part to play. And regardless of how we are showing up and interpreting our interactions with each other, we're all still serving one another. Mm-hmm. But I know you probably have something way more <laughs> profound to say on that than my unformed thoughts at this point. No, I love your thoughts. You know, as I, to- I always tell you, I-, I always like look forward to our conversations because they're always really profound and powerful. I think, I think there's definitely, there's definitely something to that to, you know, the dark side of spirituality, not, not dark, like the um, unsavory side of spirituality of using people and just saying, Oh, everybody is a reflection of me and it's all about me. And I'm not a proponent of that. I believe that every person is an individual. Every person is a, a universe within themselves but I do believe that any issues I have with anyone is still it's my own issue. So when something is, someone triggers something within me, I don't want, I don't expect them to change. I expect myself to see why I'm triggered. And then I can, like, I try to take that responsibility onto myself first and then try to see that person with my trigger filter removed. And as far as interacting with, with people while maintain, like while still being aware of this, I think, you know, every single being here, I don't know about every single being here on earth, but every being that I come in contact with, I believe it's for a reason. And I believe that we are here in service to each other. And whether it's like for a minute or for a lifetime, we impact each other. And I think that we're all playing this game together mm-hmm. and we're all affecting each other's growth 
an awakening and unfolding. And so I don't see it as using somebody else. I see it as this kind of beautiful, like when elements, chemical elements come together and then they spark and they create something new, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, I, I see it as that. I see us kind of visually as different chemical elements coming together, creating a new oxygen and hydrogen is creating water, <laughs> that type of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that because we're all individuals playing this game and co-creating this experience, our interactions with each other are creating the opportunities the door openings for new types of worlds and new types of experiences. So when I have an interaction with somebody and then look within and work on myself, I see it as I'm healing my stuff. I'm healing the generations that came before and that will come after, you know, not necessarily for me because I don't have any kids, but the family line that my auric field effects Mm-hmm. And I also see it as sending out a vibration of healing. So I see it more as like being in service to the world and each of us doing that and each of us creating a more healed world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Because I think that's a way to help reframe this narrative because I don't really buy into this idea that it's possible for any of us to truly be selfish because just to exist you're having an impact that is not just for yourself so I'm I'm still trying to work out how exactly I want to express that but I think a lot of the words that we use that have these negative connotations like narcissist and selfish and egomate all of that stuff it keeps a lot of us trapped inside of ourselves because we want, we're trying to protect ourselves from becoming this bad thing. But when I started seeing that the world is more interesting than that, that there's not just good and bad, right and wrong, and allowed experiences to just be experiences, life seemed to open up more. It seemed to create that space that you were talking about earlier. And so when you start to create more space in your life by doing your shadow work, by taking radical responsibility for who you are, like, what do you do with that? I know a lot of people who have started to do this work are now in this this place of like, what is my purpose? What am I here for? I'm doing all this healing work, but I don't know why. How do you help people discover what their divine purpose is, if that's what we're going to call it. Mm, yeah. So I love it. I love that you're sparking this, this like thing within me. Selfishly, I'm like, oh, yes. So in alignment, because I've been thinking of bringing back the eight-week program that I was talking about, you know, where its focus was how to live your true purpose. Mm-hmm. Like all of this, doing all of this healing work to uncover your, uh, your purpose and create a life around that. Yeah, very cool that you asked that question. I think, I believe that there are those of us who incarnated here during this time to be awakeners, healers, and to help usher in a new type of earth and a new type of reality. I used to think that everybody, it was everybody, 
I, after years have realized that it's not, <laughs> it's, it's certain people who have incarnated to do that. And it's not like a snowflake syndrome or anything. It's just kind of the reality. Not everybody wants to dedicate their incarnation to doing this because it is, as you know, not always fun and not always easy. And sometimes it really sucks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and I think that those who are doing this healing work right now are all puzzle pieces for this awakening and healing and entering in, into this new reality. I also believe that we are at a like this precipice and it looks like this world is teetering on going into the dark ages and going into this like illumination of love and creation being the creator on a level we we don't quite understand yet. Mm -hmm. And those who are searching for their purpose are a part of this. So I would say that if this type of, if this resonates, then I would look at your current life right now rather than, because purpose is not something that you do. Purpose is what and who you are. Mm -hmm. Purpose is multifaceted. Purpose is definitely not a job, not a career. I can look back and see where I was living my true purpose, my sole purpose throughout lifetimes and throughout this lifetime, no matter what I was doing. I know that that every person that I've worked with, I can see where they have lived that and continue to live it. But when you've done this work and when you've really... Under, kind of understood what this life is about. Not to say that any of us all oh, understand ultimately what this life is about. Right. <laughs> but when you've done enough work, you're like, oh, okay, this kind of makes more sense than before. You know, mm -hmm. you can enter a new, into a phase where you can ask from your soul and your higher self to live more in alignment with your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I would look around at where you are in your life, where you are being of service in your life, where you have been in, in the same type of service, no matter what age or stage of life you were in and no matter what you were doing. So for me, like I look back where I triggered people into awakening and into liberation, no matter what I was doing. Sometimes it was me being a really bitchy asshole you know, but like when I was living a completely different life, but I can see where even in those less than positive experiences, I uh, had helped people awaken into a level of freedom. And I think that if you, for instance, you know, we'll take you as an example. If you look at everything, like your journey, everything you've done, you are such a powerful, like, code giver like it to me it always looks like you are receiving code mm -hmm. and and transmitting that and sending out this code to the people who are meant to receive it and I feel like you've always done that whether it was your time in the church whether it was your time in the LA community whether it was your time whether it's right now you're always receiving and transmitting code and you are translating it as well it feels like you receive it 
and then you kind of transmute it Mm -hmm. and send it out, connect with people and facilitate understanding. And I think that that is one facet of it at the core. And for every person, every person has this thing that, that is a theme throughout their life. I would first look for that theme and then realize that all of the work is basically turning pain into power and like turning your wounds into wisdom and seeing all of the experiences, as you said earlier, seeing them as just as experiences rather than like, oh, this awful thing that happened to me. Not to say it's not awful. Of course it was. Right. But it was an experience that you now looking back can choose. How do I want to see this experience? What do I want to do with this experience? Right. Right. Because I think we're at a point in our lives where on an individual level, we're able to open up to greater possibilities. I feel like the possibilities are infinite at this point. And we're really able to see that with so many different storylines and narratives out there in the external world playing out, I think we're coming to a point where people are able to see, oh, like they're literally making up these stories as they go. So why can't I make up my own stories? And in my, you know, when I'm in a, a lighter place, a more loving place, I tend to like to dream about what I would want the future to be, what I want my future to be, or the collectives. And I was wondering for you, what would your dream of the future be? Like, how would you, what would you love to see happen? For the world? For the world, and then for yourself, for for the collective community that you're building. Yeah. So this morning, so I've been waking up super early because of the jet lag. And this morning I I was walking around and I literally asked myself that question. I was like, well, if I could dream any dream for myself, what would it look like? And then I was like, I need a pen. I need a pen. How did I walk out here without a pen? For the world, my vision for years has been a liberated people, a liberated humanity. And what that means for me is every individual recognizing that they are the divine, that they are incredibly powerful, that they hold the keys within them, that the human being is special. I believe human beings are rare and special. I believe that for a very long time, the minds and hearts and lives and realities of human beings have been oppressed and enslaved. Mm-hmm. And that if I could wave a magic wand, I would give everything for this to have everyone awaken to their truth, to their power, to their essence and to their joy and to the reality that they are a creator who holds unimaginable power. And that ideal world would look like billions and bi- like, I mean, everyone awakened to who they truly are and then creating and that like I can't even imagine what that would look like because this world would look so different and I think that if each individual would awaken to who they truly are then that would unlock their hearts and then love would really exist on this planet Mm -hmm. because I think that unfortunately love doesn't really exist all that much here. I think the things that we've been sold 
uh, as like what love, especially romantic love is, is a lie. And uh, it's a really good uh, loop that people mm-hmm. keep falling into. And I think if the, the human being awakened to their essence and their truth, love would anchor in. And love, I love that you're wearing the shirt that says love is all as we're recording this. Love is such a thing that we have the opportunity to embrace right now as we're going into this fourth, fifth density, whatever. People have different ideas about where we're going, but Mm -hmm. that's what my vision for the world would be. And for myself, I would really love to be a big part of that awakening. I feel like my dream is to reach millions and billions of people with the message of awakening, with how important it is and how possible it is to heal your heart. Mm-hmm. And if I could again wave a magic wand, not that I like now I have to remind myself, I can wave a magic wand. <laughs> I am magical. Uh, I would love to reach billions of people with the message uh, and the tools to awaken their soul and heal their heart. And that is my goal and my wish and uh, my aim. Yeah. Yeah. And I had this question written down and it's something I've been meditating on and contemplating for a while around love And I'm trying to understand what it is, not only for me, but for what it means to be love, to embody that essence. What would you say love is? Mm, It's a tough one. I think it is this euphoric, transformational uh, state of being Mm -hmm. that is possible for us. And I think I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to feel love for like for a stranger. That's what I use for my my basis of like what is love. Okay. When I sometimes like catch myself staring at a stranger, like a you know a family interacting or somebody just being amazing with their dog. And I just feel this overwhelming euphoric feeling in my chest and in my solar plexus. And it washes over me. And I feel this love for this person I don't know and probably will never again see in my life. Mm-hmm. To me, that is the feeling of love. And love is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. It is a creative force. And it is um, a an energy that when I look at it, it looks like, like the most powerful ocean, except Mm. for ocean, the ocean is something that can extinguish things. And this ocean feels like something that brings them to life. Mm. I think, yeah, I, I think that, and I think it's really difficult to define as well. And I think, you know, that's the eternal question, right? That Mm. like philosophers are always asking what is love. But I, I do think that for me, I think that it's a multifaceted state of being that is the closest uh, I can be to existing as not a divine, but the divine. 
in this earth realm and in this earth body. Mm. So I think that, you know, that there's something, there's something to, to that whole thing of like, when we do shadow work, it's heart healing. And the heart is the portal for love. And if enough people do shadow work, they open up their portals and they welcome in this energy. And then we're like, we have this overflowing of love. And I don't even know what that looks like, but it feels like it's going to be phenomenal when it happens. And I believe it's going to happen. I believe that too. And as we wrap up here, I know you've started this new community. It's called the League of Extraordinary Mystics, which I'm a part of. And I'm so excited to dig into the materials that you already posted and to see how it continues to form. Can you tell me a little bit about this group and what your vision of it is? Yeah, thank you. It's So we had opened it to like founding members and this is the time period for, you know, last month and this month, probably where we're still setting things up and seeing what direction it's going to go in. But my vision for it is to have a place where people who are on the spiritual awakening and heart healing journey can come interact with each other, have a support system and have a guide. One of the biggest things that made a difference for me is when I embarked really seriously on my spiritual awakening journey uh, I was living in Northern California and I moved to LA during the kind of like LA spiritual golden age. There's been many in, in LA, I'm sure. And it's kind of like narcissistic of me to say like, the, I was there during the golden age because I'm sure there were, you know, that was the experience of everybody at, at any point in time. But there was this store called the Body Tree and it was there since the 60s and it closed down in 2012, I think. But it, it had all of these different workshops and it had all of these little branches of community. And when I connected with people who were also on this, on this path, it changed my life. And also through the Bodhi tree, I found the healer and mentor that I worked with for years who helped me become who I am today. Having that like mentorship and guidance was the second life-changing thing that had really set me on the path of being not lost, less lost. Mm -hmm. And that's my vision for the League of Extraordinary Mystics is community and mentorship. And so right now we have a shadow work series there and an inner child series. And those two things like they could be lumped in one in one uh, category, but they are two separate categories because there's a separate work that I have people do in shadow with shadow work and with inner child. And then uh, next up is purpose finding work that will be uploaded into the portal. And then we have a small community of people that's going to continue to grow. And it's it's like at this really lovely, beautiful, gentle stage right now where you know, months from now or a year from now, it's going to look very different. But right now it's like this intimate little community. And I really am excited to see where it grows. And I, I believe that everyone who comes into my realm, everyone that I work with is someone who is a puzzle piece on this like earth awakening and earth healing journey. Mm -hmm. I believe that the people who come into uh, come to work with me are people who are going to be a part of the grand awakening that's still to come and I feel really honored and humbled and excited and like just 
in awe of the fact that I get to be a little tiny part of this journey of awakeners. So that's my vision for the group. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. And I definitely echo your sentiments around the importance of having a mentor, someone there to hold space for you while you are doing this work of opening up and rediscovering yourself. And you're definitely one of those people for me. So thank you Mm. so much for all that you've done and for doing this podcast and just being such a great supportive friend and everything. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm always grateful for our bond in our friendship and for the the interesting way that the universe or our higher selves or whatever brought us into each other's lives mm-hmm. was so perfect so awesome. it really was yeah <laughs> and some in another episode we'll have to tell that story but yeah. um how can people find you yeah so i'm at you the mystic on instagram at you the mystic on tiktok and uh delphina alden on youtube there are like maybe five YouTube videos I have so far. And yeah, and in the TikTok and in the Instagram, there are links to League of Extraordinary Mystics. We'd love to have you join. And I am just coming back from a trip and taking a rest. And then there will be in the next week or so, a lot more stuff coming in because there's a lot of downloads and a lot of uploads and a lot of thought forms and a lot of stuff coming in that I am like eager to share with everybody. So would love to have people uh, connect with me and would love to connect with people awesome thank you so much thank you this is awesome (laughs) and if you want to reach out to me you can find me on instagram at mental magic podcast with a period after each word and thank you as always for listening bye